Will you give a warm welcome to Chris Donald from Woodland, Washington? Amen. You guys can be seated. Oh, we're so excited to be here. God is going to do some amazing things today. My name's Chris. I'm, do we have a keyboard player? Can somebody just hang with me? If not, it's okay. But I'm, I'm just from right up the road. I, I born and raised in Woodland, Washington. Um, I'm a dairy farmer, and I'm a guy. And I think that God likes me because I can't keep my mouth shut. Like, I think God's just looking for people that will just say yes. Amen? And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I always like, I like to share stories. Do you guys like stories? And I like to share stories for one reason, because it makes you incredibly jealous. That, that's why. I want to share stories that make you so jealous to be more like Jesus that you can't help but run out of the church and do it. Now, when you look at Jesus' life and his ministry, you see that most of what he did was outside the four walls of the church, right? It's, and so I always like to start with stories that just happened. Do you guys like stories that just happened? I believe as Christians that we need to have a testimony at least once a day. Everybody say once. At least once a day. If not once a day, once a week. Say once a week. If not once a week, maybe once a month, maybe. But if not once a month, we need to talk. And, and if not once a month, we're going to talk right now, I think, whether you like it or not. Because I'm here and you're here. No, I'm joking. My whole heart today is to inspire you to step into what God has called you to do. When you hear a testimony... What it does is it stirs something inside of you. And, and there's like this excitement. It's like, man, I want to do that. And I'm here to tell you today that you can do that. And that you should be doing that. That when you hear a testimony, there's an excitement that comes. Why? Because you were created in the image and the likeness of God. And you were created to be an instrument of good works everywhere you go. All the time. Every day. Every moment, every second. Now, on the way here, I was a bit lazy this morning, and uh, I didn't make any breakfast, so my, my little five-year-old daughter and me, we stopped at Panera Bread. Everybody say Panera Bread. Now, when I think of Panera Bread, I think of revival. I do. So me and Ellie get out of the car. We come up to the counter. If you're with me, if you're within 10 feet of me, you're going to hear about Jesus. It's really simple. Hi. My name's Chris. I would like that cinnamon roll for my daughter, and I need you to know that Jesus loves you. And the girl goes, oh, wow, that's awesome. I said, are you a Christian? She goes, yes, I'm a Christian. I said, I've got this awesome church right up the road. You've got to come to it. There's a service tonight at 530. She goes, you were sent from God. It's a true story. Ellie's just standing there waiting for a cinnamon roll. I believe in family revival, whole family all together. All right? So this is what happens. So she goes, I've been praying that I would find out about a night service because I work every Sunday morning. I said, problem solved. So she'll be here tonight. It's going to be great. She's going to get blessed. It's going to be awesome. So then Ellie and I go, we eat as we're leaving. We talk to two other people. We tell them about Jesus. And then as we're walking out, we could walk out the door. But I saw this other man and we stopped and we began to talk to him and just said, hey, man, we want you to know that Jesus loves you. 
Do you know that? Well, I kind of know that, but well, are you born again? Well, I don't really know if I'm born again. Well, if tonight, if you died, would you, w- w- are you certain that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? He goes, man, that's a great question. Now, hear me. I don't say that to everybody, and it's got to come from the right place. He goes, that's a really good question. I don't know that. I said, well, let's figure that out right now. So he takes my hand at the table. Ellie's leaning her head on me. We begin to pray. He gives his life to Jesus right there. Then we walk out and we see a man walking through the door. This all happened in 25 minutes of Panera Bread, about 25 minutes ago. Because we believe in the open heavens. See, open heavens, is, it's simple. Prayers go up, and then Jesus is looking for somebody that's in open heaven. And I, I'm just crazy enough to say, Jesus, here I am, use me. See, Reese Howells says this. He makes a statement at Jeffrey. He's here for a reason. He's going to share a testimony in a moment. I don't, you guys are like, man, you guys do stuff weird at the Promise Church. You just bring Jeffrey up to stand by you. Now he's going to share a story. Reese Howells makes a statement. He says, only pray prayers that you're willing to answer if you were able. I'm not able to answer your prayer for a million dollars, but I'm able to answer your prayer for a miracle. Because he's able and he lives in me. So I, I, I had this revelation of, oh, I, I get what you're saying, God, that prayers go up and then you're looking for somebody that's able. And so I just say yes. So I look up. So what happens? I become an open heaven everywhere I go. So as we walk, as we walk through the, out the doors, there's a guy that's going into the restaurant about from me to dawn away. I said, excuse me, sir, how you doing? No joke, Ellie's right next to me. And he turns and he opens up the door like he thinks that he knows me. He's like, hey man, what's up? I said, I just need you to know something. I don't know if I'm gonna see you again, but Jesus loves you. And he begins to walk towards me and my daughter. He goes, man, not me, I believe in Buddha. I said, man, I gotta tell you something. Buddha didn't die for your sins, Jesus did. And he saved my life. He says, no man, you don't understand. I believe in Buddha and all that stuff about Jesus is a lie. I said, no, man, you don't understand. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues like you got to understand I encountered Jesus. He says, no, man. It's an argument, right? I don't like arguments. I like love. Little Ellie in tote right there. Mommy's okay. She knows this is how daddy lives every single day. Ellie needs to see it. Ellie needs to see it. We need to raise kids that are used to standing for their faith. So here she is in tote, and the guy goes, he goes, no, man, I've traveled all over the world. I said, so have I. I've been to Japan nine times. Have you? And I've seen Buddhists turn their life to Jesus. Have you? He's kind of, he begins to back up, and and then he turns back, and he comes at us one more time. I said, man, I don't want to argue. I just know that God put me here because I'm not shaken by what you're saying. And this dairy farmer wants you to know that Jesus loves you and you're going to stand before Jesus. So just know that he loves you enough to put me here to irritate you. (laughs) You got to hear it. Everywhere we go, I could tell a million stories of what Jesus does. These testimonies are to inspire you. So we get in the car, little Ellie gets in the back. She's kind of like sitting there shaking. I said, honey, look at me. Are you okay? She goes, yes, daddy. I said, what just happened? She goes, that man doesn't believe in Jesus. I said, do you? Yes, I do, daddy. I believe in Jesus. Why do you believe in Jesus? 
I believe in him because he's real and because he loves me. I said, honey, I believe in him because he's real and he loved me out of sin. And your daddy's born again and your daddy prays in the Holy Spirit. That's why I believe. Let's pray in the Spirit, honey. Shakara. Begin to pray in tongues in the car. She kind of goes, that's right, me and daddy. She's out with mommy and she says, she says, mommy, are we going to pray for somebody? Talk about conviction. She pulls up with me to Burgerville. We're going to shift gears here in a minute, but I just want you to get the heart behind this real quick. We got, as Christians, we got to have grit. Somebody say grit. We got a lot of Christians that aren't gritty. We're going to get to a verse that's going to help us see that in a moment. So we pull up to Burgerville. My five-year-old in the back says, hey, Daddy, are you going to tell that person at the window about Jesus? I said, yeah, honey, do you want to do it? It was your idea. She said, no, Dad, you do it. You're the pastor. <laughs> we were at Freshie. We saw somebody with crutches. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, Chels. I said, no. I said, Ellie. Well, tell your mommy to go pray for that lady over there. So she goes over. She says, Mommy, there's somebody over there that we need to pray for. And, she, and Mommy leans over and says, take Daddy. He's fasting. <laughs> so Ellie comes back over. Uh, mommy said to take you because you're fasting and that we'll have a better chance of seeing something happen. <laughs> Come on, we have fun with it. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to use you like that. It's not about me. Like, it breaks my heart when I see a a man or woman of God on the stage and it's all about them. It's not all about them. We're moving into a season where it's not about a stage, but it's about being out there. Actually, I'm more excited about going to lunch after this than I am preaching this message because what is God gonna do at lunch today? See, oftentimes as Christians, right after this, you got it. Oftentimes as Christians, we either live in the past or in the present. Let me explain. Man, something happened to me so I'm disqualified. Or, or this or that and all these, or, or you go to the store and you ask somebody, are you having a good day? And they go, well, like behind the counter, you say, are you having a good day? And they say, well, uh, in like five hours when I get off work, it's going to be good. And you're like, no, you're, you're missing it. Or when I go on that vacation or when I get to that conference or, or at this, or when I get old enough or, or whatever it is, you know, we, we, we live in the past back here. Right? Or we're living in the future like these people that say in five years or at this conference or at this thing or on this vacation. So we either live in the past or we live in the future. And I'm like, hey, church, let's just live in the present. Because if we live in the present as, as if our mission field is everywhere we go, you watch what God will do. The Bible says this. It says uh, in Acts 1 verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That word witness doesn't mean that you need to go and become a witness. It says that you will be my witness when the power comes. So if you're in the court of law and you come forward to be a witness, you're not adding anything, you're just telling the facts. So the gospel is like a stick of dynamite. You light it, you throw it, and you watch it. See, we think that we've got to have all the language, all the articulation. We have to have it all figured out and all the power and all the love. No, we have the Holy Spirit and we have the gospel. And he tells us to go. So when we step out and we begin to go, he shows up. And then all we have to save my life and he wants you. Chris, I just want you to know, number one fact, Jesus loves you. Number two fact, he saved my life and he wants yours too. That stands up in the court of law. 
and you begin to tell the facts about who Jesus is, you watch that salvation happens. I just wanted to have Jeffrey share one story here, and then we're going to get into a message that is going to provoke you and inspire you to give everything to Jesus. Everything. And we're going to come back tonight, and I'm telling you, the prophetic's going to break out. Miracles are going to break out. We're going to see God move in such a mighty way. Why is God going to move tonight and, and this morning in such a mighty way? Because we're going to step aside, and we're going to watch him move through you. We're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders tonight because we're going to wait on the presence of the Lord. We're going to see it. I just preached this, this message in Florida. Right, we went to this place where they said, hey, Chris, you can't pray for anybody. All you can do is talk. So we go into this setting, and as, as, as we're driving there, right, we, we, we walk in, and I said, Lord, listen, I can't pray for the sick, but you can. So heal them when I preach. So I preach the gospel. I step off the stage. All the kids respond. There's like 200 kids. All the kids respond in a, in, in a place that, let's just say that they're not, you know what I mean? This isn't a place where they're like, yeah, go Chris, you know? All of them stand up. I want to give all my life to Jesus because they just heard the gospel, right? They all come forward. I step back. I walk around, come in through the back door. There's a teacher there that drug his leg into the meeting, okay? I watched him with my eyes. The day before, I watched him drag his leg all over the place, right? He stands up in the presence of God after the gospel was proclaimed. He stands up and goes, Oh my, he's like, Chris, what's going on? I said, I don't know, man. He goes, all the pain's gone. And he begins to walk back and forth without a prayer. <laughs> Completely healed. I want you to know that this guy's theology was not the same as yours and mine. Guess where he was the next day? He was in that church service that I was preaching in with some of those kids. Guess what all of those kids did the next day? They'd never gone out on outreach. They never knew that they could. 70 of them got together and went out on the street and proclaimed the gospel. 70 of them. 70 of them. They, didn't, they weren't equipped. They just understood. I'm called. I'm going to go, and Jesus is going to show up. Miracles happen with kids that didn't even have a theology for miracles because they went with the gospel. Amen? Oh, man, I'm going to preach in a minute. It's so good to be in a place that is so healthy. Oh, my gosh. This place is so healthy. You guys are just going to take this go and just run with it. I just know it. All right, Jeffrey. You did a great job standing there, man. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a stirring in my spirit. Raise your hand if you're feeling a stirring in your spirit. I'm jealous for more testimonies. I encourage you, if you don't have a friend that makes you jealous for the things of God, you need to get one. There is no one in my life who stirs me more than you, bro. It's the honest truth. And it reminds me of a time when we were in the Philippines. We went in the summer, and I was tired. I mean, it's hot in the Philippines. We were walking all around, driving on these bumpy roads with a, a driver who didn't know how to use manual right so like the, the ride was so bumpy we get out at this place called the ruins in Bacolod city I'm sleeping with my hat on my head because I'm like I'm just gonna sit down and guess who comes around the corner with the salvation story just got born again I tell you 
I'm sleeping. I hear Chris walks around. He says, someone just got born again. I tell you, I was like, mm. I was so, I, I was happy that the person got born again, but I was stirred. I was like, I'm about to see someone get saved in Jesus' name. So what do I do? I go and preach the gospel. And the first guy I preach the gospel to, he gives his life to the Lord. Amen. There's a, I, have, I have two more stories. And I want to let you know that in most all of these times, I just feel normal. I don't feel like, oh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm going to go proclaim the gospel. Chris, I don't know how you feel, but sometimes I feel like an ordinary person. You caught that. <laughs> I was at a summer camp in Kentucky. I'm from Tennessee originally. Well, not originally, but I moved from Tennessee. And there's this girl, I see her being, being carted around in a wheelchair. And I'm like, I got to pray for her. But I didn't have the chance because I was running late. Later on at lunch, I go and I pray for that young lady. She gets healed instantly. She starts screaming, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And there's, ten, there's like 10 of her friends around. And they're like, is it, if this real? I'm about to cry. I'm about to, I don't know what I'm going to do. She gets healed. Those 10 people give their life to the Lord. Why? Because I swung the bat. You see, in Little League, I played Little League in middle school, and I was pretty good. But then I took a break, and I didn't play again until I was a sophomore. I played in the community league. And for some reason, I could never swing the bat. Like, I would just hope to get walked every single time. We're in our championship game, and my twin brother was a beast, so there was even more pressure on me. I was towards the end of the end of the lineup, and it was a championship game. We're up by one run, but there's two men on base with two outs. If I get a hit, that's two runs in. So I just said, Lord, I'm going to swing. I swung, and I got a double, and we won the game. There's a scripture in, in Judges 7.20. I'm going to read it to you. Here it goes. Then the three companies blew the trumpets, and broke the pitchers. This is the story of Gideon. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Say that, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. You see, the Lord was with me when I was batting, but unless I swung, nothing was going to happen. And I tell you that the Lord is with you, but unless you yield your sword, no one's going to get saved. Unless you proclaim the gospel, God's not going to do it through you. I mean, he will, but you have to do it. And so I'm, I'm here today. I have one more story. And I went to these, these uh, apartments in our, in, uh, in our city in Woodland, and they're mainly Hispanic. I speak Spanish, so I'm like, I, I got to go. People are going to get saved. But on that day, I felt particularly icy. In the spirit. I felt particularly not motivated to preach the gospel. But just like LeBron does, you guys know LeBron. Any, any LeBron fans? He does this thing where after he dunks on somebody, he pats his chest and he goes like this. And that's what I think of me stepping over my flesh. I go and I preach the gospel. Two people get saved. Both of them have the same testimony. How do you feel? I ask him, how do you feel after, after they receive Jesus? I feel light. I feel like a burden has lifted. I want to let you know that it doesn't matter how you feel. If you yield your sword, watch what God will do. It's amazing. Amen. You know, we were, I was, I was just in Texas and we were uh, out on the street doing some filming.
and uh, we, we went into this restaurant and the people were lining up behind the counters to have us pray for them because the miraculous was breaking out, all because we were just swinging the bat. As we walked into the restaurant, um, there was uh, this lady and she just waves at me. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> like that was weird, <laughs> right? So I go over, I was wearing a sweatshirt like this and uh, I didn't know this, but the day before she just liked lifestyle Christianity. So then God sends, sends us in, right? She, she has no real grid for any of this. She came to the service that night. Oh my gosh, just like the, what's gonna happen to this girl that's coming tonight. But, but listen, as we're leaving, there's a man that's just sitting there and I, I had to go, but I, I chose to stop and I waited and I went over and I talked to him and he gets born again. I walk out of the, of the, res, of the restaurant, I come and the film crew's there and they're like, Chris, Chris, we gotta record what just happened. That was amazing, oh my gosh, we heard the whole thing. I said, stop, stop. We need to take a moment. Somebody's life just went from darkness to light. Somebody was just saved and we don't need to film this, right? We just need to have a moment with Jesus. And I feel like the church needs to have another, um, like the church needs to fall in love with the gospel again. Like we need to understand that when somebody is born again, it's the greatest miracle that will ever happen. I've got these young guys, right? They're so fired up. They're like, Chris, you won't believe what God did. I said, I don't care what God did unless you preach the gospel. Like that's it. That's all that matters. People get saved. People get saved. People get saved. Now then we got to disciple them and that's a whole, that's really important and we're bringing them into church and we're discipling them. The Promise Church has grown from about 70 to about 400 in three years. So we're seeing them come into the church and be added, but there's a love for the gospel. And I want to encourage you today as, as we get into this message for the next 25 minutes that you would say, God, I want to see the gospel. I want to see people like you see them. And if there's not a desire in you to see people born again, then I want to lovingly challenge you today to ask Jesus for that love. Okay? All right, so let's do this. If we can open up our Bibles. To John 4, verse 35. John 4, verse 35. I believe that there's two main reasons why Christians fall into sin. I believe there's a lot of reasons, but there's two main reasons that have been highlighted to me. And I believe that these two reasons are this. Number one, I don't believe that Christians actually believe that sin leads to death. Like I don't think that we actually have like a healthy fear of the Lord to believe that sin actually leads to death. And God showed me a picture of this. And, and the picture is really quite simple. If Jesus were standing here, Jesus himself is life. Everybody say, Jesus is life. So Jesus is life. He spoke and life happened. So the moment that we begin to live in sin, we turn our back on life and we walk away from life. You follow me? But the moment that you repent and begin to walk in righteousness, right standing with God, you're walking towards life itself and that's where life is found. So I think one of the primary reasons why people uh, don't live, uh, live in sin is because they don't really understand that God created you. <laughs> let, me, let me say it this way. Anybody ever been to Ikea? Okay, praise God for Ikea. It's cheap and it's light. But man, once you leave Ikea, you realize you gotta build it all. So you get it home and then you get overwhelmed with boxes and cardboard and 
right? And what I do is I just throw it, it, all the instructions away and begin to build because I used to be a builder. So I get out my chop saw and I get out all, right, all my tools, right? Mind you, the instruction says a little wrench and safety goggles for some reason. Everybody says safety goggles, right? Because the gospel's powerful, watch out. So, so I start building, I build the whole thing and my wife comes in, she says, honey, that doesn't quite look like what was in the store. And what are all those pieces? Well, those are extras and it's perfect. She's like, pulls the thing out of the garbage. No, um, actually, you don't look anything like this. She, she, you know, she pulls it out. It, it doesn't look like that. And I realized that when I started building, there was two pieces, but one of them had a little hole in it and the other one didn't. And I built it all wrong, so then I have to tear the whole thing apart and put it all back together again with the instruction manual. See, I didn't build the chair. So I don't know the best way to put the chair together. You didn't create you. You don't know what's best for you. Oh, but he does. Oh, he knows what's best for you. So see, I, I think that we need to understand that sin leads to that place. And I feel like that's for somebody here. The other thing is, um, I believe that we as Christians don't live on mission. And let me explain. Heal the sick, heal the sick, eat a cinnamon roll, kiss on my girl. Heal the sick, heal the sick, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, cast out a demon. Temptation? Are you kidding me, Pastor Bob? Are you, are you kidding me? Get out, get, preach the gospel, see people get saved. Temptation? Are you kidding me? I'm on mission. I have purpose. And if you're here today, I'm telling you that your breakthrough is in, in being obedient to what God has called you to do. It's to live on mission. And you begin to live on mission, you watch what happens. Oh man, there's just this stirring that begins, it's like momentum in the spirit. And then you become an open heaven and God's just, he's just sending it to you. I'll tell you two, two more stories. And we're gonna read this scripture. I believe that oftentimes we read scripture and, and it just kind of passes over. But when we get to this scripture, it's gonna come to life in this room. Trust me, it's gonna come to life. You're gonna see it for what it is. I was in the Philippines and it was a day off, but I don't believe in days off. I had an evangelist tell me this one time. I just love it when the Lord gives me a day off. I said, well, you're working for a different Lord than I am. The only time I get a day off is if I'm in the woods by myself. And even then I can't contain the fire that's shut up in my bones. I might preach to the deer. <laughs> Come on, I'm telling you. So we're in the Philippines on our day off, but we don't have a day off. And we walk into this compound where they had this, this like ruined, like the ruins that were there. And we, we walk in and I see a lady, we just walk over, she's there. So she must be sent from God for us to talk to, right? If she's breathing, she's a target. If she's not breathing, she's a target. Raise her up from the dead. Yeah, you're beginning to get where I'm going, right? So, so we walk over, how are you doing? She goes, well, actually, I'm a backslidden Christian, and everybody told me not to come on this trip, but I heard the Lord say that I'm supposed to come. I said, that's amazing. So tell me, tell me why you're backslidden. Well, man, I'm just, it's just really, it's really difficult, and it's hard, and I'm here on a spiritual journey. I just want to find Jesus. I said, well, Jesus put us here to help you. So have you heard of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? We just go there. I don't hold any of it back. She goes, no, I've never even heard that before. Let's talk about it. Pull the Bible, the big Bible out of my backpack, lay it down, open it up. I begin to explain it to her. I said, do you want that? She goes, oh, I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we pray for her, right? 
nothing happens. I'm not moved. My experience doesn't define me. The word of God defines me. So I said, what's stopping this open heaven right now? Oh, I, I know what it is. The Lord spoke to me. He said, it's, it's, uh, th- there was bitterness. And so I said, so who is it that you're offended to? She begins to weep. She says, oh man, there's this guy named Chris. And I'm so offended at him. I said, oh, this is amazing. Listen to this. My name's Chris. And God sent me here to help you for... And then she gets filled with the Holy Spirit, starts praying in tongues, lit on fire. Oh, man. You know what the Lord spoke to me? He said, hey, Chris, you know why you came to the Philippines? It was for this. It wasn't about the meetings. It was for that. Because I knew that you never take a day off. I knew that you have grit. You see, this whole thing was set up. The reason why tomorrow I get on an airplane to go to India is because I just say yes, 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 all the time. Just believe there's an impartation to say yes to Jesus today. So another one, we're walking through the airport in Manila. We don't take a day off, do we, Jeffrey? And we're walking, we probably preach the gospel to about 15 people from one gate to the next. You don't, you don't believe it? Just invite me to lunch. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Right, so we're walking and we come up against these two LA gangsters. I said, hey man, the Lord spoke to me and he told me that you have a bad knee. Now listen, if you wanna begin to hear from God, then you gotta begin to step out. Well, I don't hear from God like that. Well, it's because you're not stepping out, right? Jesus' school evangelism is go and hear. You're not gonna hear the shepherd's voice in the sheep pen, right? We don't need a bunch of equipping on how to hear the voice of God. That's really good and I do that. But I'll tell you, the best equipping is is to have the teacher, the Holy Spirit, teach you, and then you realize that you're not the great evangelist, the Holy Spirit is. Oh, I'm telling you. So we go up, the guy goes, yeah, man, my knee's bad. These are big, burly, like real, real gangsters. Not Vancouver gangsters, real ones, right? (laughs) Jeffrey remembers, right? So we pray, we pray. Oh my gosh, man, my knee, it's freezing cold. What's going on? It's Jesus. Right, right there, right there, guess what happens? He gets born again, guess what he tells me? My parents are saved, but I'm not saved. I said, this is amazing, your parents have been praying for you and God sent me because he knew I would say yes. So two seconds later, that testimony's behind me. What's next? What's next, God? What's next? What are we gonna do next? Walk in the door. There's a guy that looks like he's from China. Hey man, my name's Chris. How you doing? Are you a Christian? No, I'm not a Christian, but my wife is. I said, oh, thank God your wife's been praying for you. He kind of looks at me. He speaks perfect English. I said, I've been to China. I've preached in those underground churches. I said, you need to know that Jesus Christ is real and that he sent me here. He begins to cry and he says this to me. He says, when I get home, I'll become a Christian. I said, no, don't wait till you get home. Don't you wait. You get saved right now. He goes, yes. He stands up, there's a picture on Facebook, you can check it out, and he gives his life to Jesus in that moment. In that moment. That probably took 10 minutes between those two stories. He got on that plane. He asked me, may I take a picture with you so I can show my wife? He stands next to me, he takes a selfie. His face is just stone cold. It's like a good Chinese man. Born again, tears running down his eyes. I'm telling you, if you get one thing from this message, I want you to get a little bit of grit. He says, you know what? Just like Jeffrey said, I'm just gonna swing the bat because I promise you, if you swing Jesus, everything's gonna bow its knee. Telling you, okay, let's read this scripture because now I believe that the room's ready. Are you ready for this? John 4, 35. It says, do 
you not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. Can you see it? Lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for the harvest. Did you hear the story of what happened just an hour ago, Panera Bread? It's not just India, it's not just the Philippines, it's everywhere. It's open up your eyes, lift up your heads, become an open heaven, begin to cry out for Jesus, ask him to use you and he will. I believe that we're moving into a season of harvest. I believe that we're moving into a season of great harvest. Now, this next scripture I believe is gonna to come to life to you. It says this in, in Matthew 9, 37. Matthew 9, 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the pastors, but the apostles, but the evangelists, but the teachers are few. No, but the laborers, everybody say laborers, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. See, God in this season is not looking for professionals. God is looking for laborers. Let me explain. And now we got a good shot at this. When I preach in cities, it's, it's a much different ratio. Who here has ever worked a harvest? Harvest hay, Christmas trees, anything like that. Come on, so, okay, I see some hands. Now, if I were to have one of them stand up and say, man, isn't harvest just like the best time in the entire world? You just kick back in the, in the reclining chair, you just drink a, a, some kind of sweet drink and you just chill, like, and then you go to bed early and you get up late. That's the harvest, man, it's wonderful. I'm a dairy farmer. Let me tell you something about the harvest. You work from sun up to way past sundown, and if it's gonna rain, you're gonna work all the way through the night and into the next morning. That when it's harvest time, it's work time, and I don't care about your skinny jeans, I don't care about your hairdo, I don't care about your glass, I don't care about any of that, I don't care about your degree, I don't care about whatever's on your wall, I just wanna know that you're gonna pick up that hay bale and put it on that truck. Come on. I just want, I just want, I just need to know, Pastor Bob, that that hay bale can get from there to there or that those 2,500 Christmas trees that you just cut can get from there to in that semi so that we can complete the harvest. See, in this season, I believe, and I say this carefully, I believe that God is removing Saul's and placing David's. I believe in this season that God's doing something really amazing. That God is just looking for people that will just simply say yes. God is not looking for professionals. He's looking for simple country kids that just say yes, yes, yes. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, that's me, God. I'm all in. Just use me. That's what he's looking for. Ones that just have grit enough to believe the word of God and step out in boldness and say, Jesus loves you. I'm telling you, we're moving into a season of harvest, a season of harvest. Galatians 6, 9, I just believe it's a prophetic word over this house. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, and I believe, Pastor Bob, that this is the season of harvest. 
This is the season of great harvest. But I'm telling you that harvesting is not about sitting in that seat. It's about getting filled with the Holy Spirit and getting out of the four walls of the church. Come on. Come on, somebody. Are we doing okay? Okay. I want to get to this, this passage here because this is the most important part. If, if we just want boldness and if we just want to be laborers, we've missed it because I'm a son. We need sons and daughters that have grit. You got to hear me. So I don't want you to hear this today. I don't want you to hear, man, I just got to go out and do this thing. No, you got to go out and be this thing. It's a big difference. It's a really big difference. I believe that the church needs another touch from the Holy Spirit. I believe I need another touch every morning. Thank God that the Lord touched me this morning. And I'm going to get to a scripture in a moment but that I believe is a prophetic, a prophetic scripture over our region of what God is doing. But I need you to understand that God, yes, he's looking for laboring sons and daughters, but he doesn't want you to do it out of obligation. He wants you to do it out of love. Oftentimes, people sit in these meetings and they go, oh man, I need boldness, boldness like that. You don't need boldness. Boldness is really good, and, and I could go into a whole teaching on boldness and why we need boldness, but I need you to understand this. So what I, I believe the Lord wants you to hear. Boldness is this. I need boldness so I can step out, so that I can tell people about Jesus, so that I can get a testimony, so that I can. I need boldness so that I, I, I. I, I, I need boldness. Boldness is about you. Oh, but compassion. Oh, but compassion. Boldness will sustain you for a day. Compassion will sustain you for a life. People say, Chris, it's impossible to live the way that you live. No, 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 it's not impossible if you meet with compassion every morning. And every time I get out of a car, you can even ask Jeffrey or my wife when she's here tonight, and I'm not feeling it. I go, God, give me compassion to see people like you see them, Lord, because people, every single person is eternal, and they're either going to go to heaven or hell. Let me see it like you see it. And then I step out of the car, and it's on whether I feel it or not, because I'm a son that labors in the harvest. And I tell you what, there's a grace that comes. The Apostle Paul says this, everybody runs a race. Well, Pastor Chris, I'm too busy actually to do what you do. I can't do that. No, I, I did this when I was, you know, if it was about pastors and leaders, then I've only been there for one year. I've only been a full-time pastor leader for one year, but I've been doing this 12 years before that. You gotta hear that. Only one year have I been paid full-time. Let me tell you this. Everybody in this room is too busy. Everybody runs a race. <laughs> everybody's running, everybody's too busy. I just say, Jesus, I just choose to be busy with what you're doing and you're gonna take care of the rest. And I would encourage you, I would inspire you today to say, God, I wanna be busy with what you're busy about. That's why it says about Jesus, he only did what the Father did. He was only moved by compassion. Now let's get to this scripture. I believe that this scripture is gonna just come alive to you. I'm, I'm gonna take it a bit out of, I'm gonna use some prophetic, like, a inspiration on this. Is that all right? Okay, because this is how the Lord will speak to me. In Mark 8, verse 22. Now, as you turn there, Mark 8, 22. I believe that the church needs another touch and we're gonna go for that in just a moment. And, and I, I really, I, I really wanna say this, I really would encourage you to come back tonight. It's gonna be a totally different 
thing tonight. I just felt that the Lord wanted me to bring this message to you tonight. It's gonna be about God just showing up in a big way. Come back tonight and, and forgive me, but right behind Sue, what was your name again? Yeah, Mindy, that's right. Mindy, have you been having trouble with your lower back? Yeah, can you stand up real quick? This is what's gonna happen tonight all over this room, but I'm not gonna do it. Who in this room has faith? Okay, I saw that hand right there. Come on over here, come over here. Who in this room has no faith? I see that hand. No, I'm just joking. Who in this room has no faith? Come on, for America. Oh, this is a great church. Sometimes somebody's like, I don't have any faith. And I call them up and they pray for it. And then they see the miracle. That changes real quick. I just want you to lay hands on her. Is there pain in your back right now? There's no pain. Okay, so tonight, can you come back and report to us? But I believe you're gonna feel something. So just pray a simple prayer over her right now. Yes, Lord. Everybody can just stretch their hands out. Isn't this great? Yeah. Yes, Jesus, come right now. All right, amen. Okay, did you feel anything when he prayed for you? Okay, I know this. When a word comes from heaven, the Lord told me that word about you. He called you out. When a word comes from heaven, he's faithful to fulfill the word. You gotta hear this. That's not my word. It didn't come through my knowing. It came from him, and it's a pass through to you. And I, this is what I see for you. I actually see like a, the tomb being shut, and it said that that tomb was shut and sealed, right? It was sealed. And I feel like you've been in a season where you felt sealed, like, like whoa, man, like darkness around you. But I see this. I see the, the tomb door beginning to go like this and move, and it's by the hand of the Lord. And I'm telling you, I can see the light right now prophetically beginning to stream in to your life. And you're going to begin to come to life. And I hear this. I hear the Lord saying, brace yourself. Because from this moment forevermore, there's breakthrough that's coming. And I, I just, I, I know those deep, 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 deep things. The Lord's bringing up and he's bringing out. And you're going to be one that lays hands and sees breakthrough because you prophetically live through a season of darkness and you're gonna take people out of it, amen? Does that edify you? Come on, amen. Amen. You, you wanna know just a practical thing before we get to the scripture and then we'll close is, is this. If you wanna know how to get a prophetic word, this is what you do. So Jeffrey, come right here. This is so much fun, I love this. Okay, now who wants a word? Okay, I saw that hand, stand up. Now this is what you do. This is what I've learned. Okay, Jesus, your thoughts towards this woman are like the sands on the seashore. Can I just have two pebbles? Just two, that's all I need. I just need two. Now Jeffrey, just give her a word. And sometimes you wait on the Lord. I just see the deep intercession on your life. You even intercede without words. There's a place in the presence of God that is beyond words. And I feel that at times you don't even know what's happening as, you, as you're interceding and as you're doing things with the Lord. But I feel like the Lord is gonna bring to begin to bring out of you the things that you believe for in your life. Like there's 18 is gonna be the fulfillment of many things. I see full circle in your life. 
Like there's, there's prophetic moments where things come full circle. And I even believe in the next 10 days, things are gonna come full circle for you. And you've been having trouble with your lower back as well? No trouble with your lower back? In your hips? Okay, is there, as, this is a sensitive thing, but I felt this word. Has there been any kind of control or manipulation happening um, on or around you? Things that feel like that, that have been wanting to control you? Yes? So Father, right now in Jesus' name, we break off all forms of witchcraft. Lord, everything that would be controlling or manipulating from the outside, remove that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just... I see, I see you're like a mother to many. Um, I feel like you have a deep love for children. And I even see like, not that it's necessarily this, but I see you like even having like a daycare. I see like kids just flocking to you. And I also see that the Lord has you kind of like in a, in a secret place. Like, just like you said, you intercede without words. And I see that your dance, even maybe in the privacy of your home, your worship, will break chains for generations. And so the desires that he's put in your heart, just like Chris is saying, they're gonna come full circle, just go after them. He's put them there for a reason. And you're gonna, you're gonna mother a generation. Is there a, last thing is, is there like somebody that's around my age that's in your life, like 31 to 35, I don't know if it's a son or a nephew that you've been praying for? Anywhere from like 25 to 35, a son, a nephew, a relative? If not, that's okay. Yeah, I just, I saw like a, a young man, but it could be totally for somebody else in the room. Bless you. Thanks for being an example. So maybe like 70% of that was accurate out of 100. But did that edify you, that word? Again, so when you step out on the street, right, and you take somebody's hand, just say, God, speak to me about this person, right? Don't worry about messing up their theology because you do you understand that unbelievers don't have a theology? <laughs> Jesus can take care of it. Well, what happens if I pray for them and they don't get healed like their theology is going to be off? They don't even believe in God. Just pray for them. <laughs> I hope that blesses you. That was, that was cool. Okay, are you guys ready? They need good theology, though. I read my Bible every, every morning, Pastor Bob, every morning. At least, in, at least five. That was a lie. Okay, I read it every morning. All right. You guys ready for this scripture? It's going to come to life here. I believe the church needs another touch. It says this in, in Mark 8, 22. It says, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So we took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. I want you to see this prophetically first. Took the blind man and he led him out. Okay, let me explain. I believe just taking prophetic license here. I believe that if, that if that blind man was in a place that he knew, he would know where the refrigerator was. He would know where the toilet was, where the sink was. So he was comfortable in that place. So the Lord took him out of the sheep pen where he would need to hear the Lord's voice. Do you see it? It's the first thing the Lord does. Then he says this. So we took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Now, let me explain. When I first got saved, I'll tell you what, I was still a pretty selfish believer. 
and I need another time. Oh, man, it was just all about God working on me. And I'll tell you what, when I was at the grocery store and when I was everywhere else, people were just objects in front of me. They were like trees. When you, when you leave this building and as you go out of this building, if the person in front of you in the grocery store is an object that you need to get through to get yours, I'm telling you, you need another touch from God. Or if you're at the stoplight and somebody cuts you off and the flesh comes up and you just want to like pound them or pound the horn and you get all, I'm telling you, you need another touch from God. I'm telling you, if, if, if people that you're around are just objects that are in front of you, just like this mic, they're just something that you need to get through to get yours. I'm telling you, you need another touch from Jesus. I'm telling you, another touch from him. Okay, so then what happens in verse 25? Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And I believe that prophetically we're moving into a season where the church in the Northwest and across America are gonna get another touch from God that's gonna propel them with compassion into the harvest. Amen. So that you're not like, that your heart breaks so much for people that you've gotta go. That we wouldn't be like the story of the Good Samaritan where the Levite and the priest walked by. And then the Samaritan goes, do you realize the bash that Jesus gave those guys that day? Do you, do you realize that with the Good Samaritan story, there was like, there was like, there was like circles that they saw people in? So Jesus went Le, Levite, pre, priest Levite, and then he skipped like the common Jew, and he, he, he skipped the sinner and the and he went straight to Samaritan. Like, in this season, I believe that prophetically, God doesn't care who, he just wants somebody. Somebody that's willing to say, God, I need another touch from you so that I can see people clearly, so that I can be compelled with love to go. To go, I don't need a stage I don't, need, I don't need a camera, I don't need a Facebook account, I just need your love so I can see people clearly so that I will be compelled to go everywhere, every day, every moment. He's looking for sons and daughters that will labor. So we need another touch, I wanna end with this story. January 10th of 2017, I was in a meeting where I was, where I was preaching this conference in Seattle and there was a man there that named Ryan Lestrange, I'd never heard of him before in my life. He was a pint-sized preacher that packed a punch, man. This guy, he preached, and I don't even think he breathed when he preached. And I got so stirred up on the front row that I said, God, I know that I'm 98% in. Like, hear me, you can be 100, trust me. The enemy will come and lie to you and say that you can't be, but you can be. Jesus died on the cross for 100% of you, and anything less is not enough. You need to hear this. People say, man, I'm worried about burning out. I'm not worried about burning out because I'm dead. I'm a dead man walking. To live is to live as Christ, but to die is gain. Like these scriptures begin to come alive. And so I'm sitting on the front row, I'm 98% in, and I'm like, God, I know there's more. But you know what was holding me back? It was pride. It was me saying, well, I do more than Ben does. Let's just give you an open into my, into my life for a minute. Hear this, why well, do more than you do? I do more than you. And I was climbing a ladder of self-righteousness and I got up to the top of the ladder and I was looking down and the Lord said to me, hey son, if you wanna play the comparison game, 
Compare yourself to me. Got real quiet, real quick. Oh, Jesus. I have nothing. Pride will rob you and fear will rob you. So I ran forward to the front of the church. I'm telling you, I'm coming at this thing for a moment. You can be 100% all in for Jesus. It's what he died for. Anything less is robbing him of his full reward. You can be 100% in all the time, every day, every moment. It's what he died for. It's what he died for. We don't have a right to say no to that. When I wake up in the morning, I don't hear me. I'm a pastor, so I understand that there's people in this room that are divorced, that there is mercy and there is grace and there's goodness. I understand this, but hear this. I don't wake up in the morning when divorce is not even a thought in my mind. Oh, man, that's the far, I don't even have that word in my vocabulary. I'm in love. I'm in covenant with my wife. It's me and it's her. From this day forward, I made a vow, a covenant with her. It's me and it's her no matter what. How much more my covenant with God? For me to say, well, you know what? I'm just going to be, you know, I'm probably going to burn out. I'm probably going to just die off. No, no, no. I'm in covenant with Jesus. To live is to live as him. To die is gain. Like I'm all for Jesus. I hope you hear what I'm saying. That the enemy would come and he'd lie to you and he'd say it's impossible to live this way. Listen, it's not impossible. You just have to give it all. Every right. Every right, God. You can have it all. Every bit of it on the airplane, even when I don't feel it. So I run forward, I said, God, I'll give it all to you. And I knew the Lord was calling me to a year long Daniel fast. Oh, praise God. So I said, stood up, I said, God, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do a year long Daniel fast. So on January 10th of 2017, I began the journey of a modified Daniel fast. Let me explain. My wife forced me to eat fish at least once a month. Other than that, I ate no bread, no eggs, no dairy, no cheese, no sugar. Oh, God, help me, right? None of it, no meat. I, I begin to look like a string bean. My wife was worried, and she heard the Lord say, don't you worry about him. I'm teaching him about fasting, and I'm showing him that it's not about a no to food. It's about a yes to me, and that if you seek ye first the kingdom of God, all things will be added unto you. Let him do it. So I just kept doing it. I just kept getting weaker and weaker. God was breaking me down and breaking me down. And then this is what happened. Four months in, I go to the school of evangelism and I'm sitting there. I just finished a book called Defining Moments. I'm flipping through, right? The, the last day I closed the book. It's Sunday night. I put the book down right next to my nightstand. My wife calls me. She says, honey, you're gonna have an encounter with God that's gonna change her entire life. He told me that you were. So I go into this meeting. I'm sitting there. The power of God comes into the room. There's 120 people in this room, about, right, about 120 people in this room. And 20 of them are my biggest heroes, guys like Todd White, Daniel Kalinda, all these big time evangelists that like, I aspire to be like. Talk about embarrassing what God makes me do. I'm sitting there and the Lord says to me, son, do what Heidi Baker did. I said, I don't wanna do what Heidi Baker did. What she did was she was in Toronto. She stood up in the back of the church and she ran forward screaming, Jesus, 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 I want you and nothing less. She had an encounter with God and since then she's planted thousands of churches. So I stood up, right, Jeffrey? And I screamed, Jesus, I want you, I want you, I want you. Take all of me. I don't care what the world says. And in that moment, I felt the power of God come on my head from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet like electricity. 
The man of God standing in the front said, young man, I see you in Pakistan preaching the gospel. He had no clue that eight years before that I was in Japan. He had no clue, and a man prophesied Pakistan over me. He had no clue that 20 minutes before that, I sat across the table from a man who does crusades in Pakistan, and I said, I know I'm called there. How will I know? And that man says, God will confirm it. He didn't know that. So we prophesied Pakistan, and he says, raise your hands. I said, listen, I can't raise my hands. I'm telling you this. To, this tonight, and to get hungry for God, to say, God, I want you at any cost. I need another touch. Take me out of that place. Touch me again. I, right now I see men like trees, but I want to see them clearly. Oh, man. So what happens? He says, raise your hands. I said, man, I can't. I said this, right, Jeffrey? I can't raise my hands. He said, young man, walk down here. I said, I can't walk down there. I can't move. So two guys picked me up. They carried me to the front of the church. All I saw was a brilliant light. All I could think was this. I'm dying. I'm dying. Call my wife. I'm dying. They got me to the front. The man of God touched me. I felt peace go through my body, and I fell on the ground. I heard the Lord speak to me, and he said this. I'm going to lift my hands off of you, but when you get back to your hotel room, you watch out, son. I go back to my hotel room. I'm brushing my teeth for like 45 minutes. I hope this story needs to make you hungry. See, people, see, listen, listen. The presence of God, when the presence of God shows up, oh, man. I understood all of a sudden fear and trembling. I understood when men fall like dead men. I understood that all of a sudden. So the presence of the Lord comes into my room, and he presses me into my bed, and I cannot put into words what happened that night. I can't put into words what happened in that room. I can't even like, there's a place in God that's so beyond words. Like I can't even put into words what happened. And I stood up and I, I felt a, a literal burning fire in my chest. I don't make things up. I'm telling you, don't sell out for a fake encounter. Say, God, I want a real one. Like if you're going to push me down in the prayer line, I will punch you back. I'm, I'm being serious. And in that moment, everything changed. And a man of God named Todd White laid hands on me and he prayed for me and he said this. He said, son, I, I just ask God that Chris will never miss another opportunity from this moment forward. And I could feel it go into me. Like, oh God. So I, I, I begin to walk around. I'm telling you, man, people are getting healed, set free. It's like the book of Acts, man. Everywhere we go. And we're just walking around. Demons are running away from me. It's crazy. Are you so full of the Holy Spirit that demons manifest and run away from you? You can be. I'm just a dairy farmer from up the road. Telling you, I walk into the hospital. Hey, can I pray for you? Lady begins to manifest. Screaming runs into the Runs in into their into the into the waiting room, screaming, cursing me. My wife's like, "What's going on?" And she sees me and Nathan walk through the door. She goes, "Oh, they're here." Yeah, I understand what's going on. Everybody in that ER room that day got prayed for. I just want I want, I want to say this. I want to encourage everybody in this room. If you want more of God, just to stand to your feet right now. That God, right now, in this season, he's bringing another touch to the body of Christ. He's bringing another touch. And I wanna, what I want to do is I want to go into a song. And I just want, for a moment, for us, if, listen, we, we've got we to begin to uncap ourselves in the presence of the Lord.
If you need to shout Jesus, shout his name. If you need to come to the front to the altar and say, Jesus, I, wanna, I want that. I want you to come to the front of the altar. If you need to, I don't know what you need to do with God, but I want you to do it in this moment. I want you to do it. You're free to do what you need to do with God in this moment because I'm telling you, you don't want to miss what God's going to do in this next season.